Finally, they were just, we were just overwhelmed by the, how God just took care of us this year. And thank you so much. I know that uh, we're probably going to be gaining a little weight because we got a few gift cards to go eat. And uh, there's still candy at my house, so please come by and help me. Or I don't need to help to eat it. I need you to eat it. I don't need to eat it anymore because uh, I am I'm getting swelled. But anyway, guys, this message, God has been on my heart about it for, for the last couple of weeks. And, and guys, I went back and forth. I thought, well, I love the way King, King James writes this and relays it. And, uh, but then I, I love the way the New Living spoke it because it's a little bit easier to wrap your head around. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes King Jimmy can get a little wordy. And, and for those of us that are students, uh, sometimes we need a little help if, we're, if we've got a little bit of a, uh, a hang-up about things. But uh, guys, I'm going to be in Romans 8 today, but that's gonna, that, we're going to come back to that in a roundabout way. Uh, I want to start out by, I'm not going to sing a song, but I'm going to remind us of a song. It's a secular song. Uh, y'all remember a song that uh, Tim McGraw came out with? I think it was him. I'm not sure. I don't listen to country that much. But uh, uh, anyway, it's a song called Live Like You Were Dying. Was that Tim McGraw? I, I actually liked the song when it came out. I still do. It's, I mean, it's, if, if you want to, I mean, the writer did a really good job about it and things like this. And it kind of uh, challenges us to, to not stay in the mundane. You know, so to speak. I mean, that's really, that's really what it's trying to do is challenge us not to be in a, a mundane sort of, of way of thinking about our lives. But, guys, God really spoke to me and he says, Scotty, that's not really what I think about this. You see, you don't understand. You're not quite comprehending about life in the spirit and life in the flesh. Life in the flesh says live like you were dying. In other words, don't live in the mundane. Get out and do things. Live life to the fullest. Certainly nothing wrong with being challenged to, to get out and do, do different things and, and enjoy God's creation. But guys... Too many times our, our enjoyment makes us stumble. And so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that for just a few moments. Uh we'll be in Romans 8. It says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin. That leads to death. You see, brother and sister in Christ, we just celebrated a day of the gift of God, a gift of salvation to us, to all humanity. We just celebrated that day yesterday. Who was Jesus? He was the gift of salvation from God the Father to us. To what? To free us from the power of sin that dwells within us. Too many times, guys, we don't really consider what that's trying to say. Let's go on down for just a moment. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. 
So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Guys, when I was very young, I learned, I learned this verse because it was short. It was Romans 3.23. Now, I know uh, John 11.35 is actually shorter. Y'all didn't catch that. John 11.35 is actually the shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. So everyone in here has learned a biblical verse today. John 11.35, Jesus wept. They were talking about Lazarus at the time. But the verse of Romans 3.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So let's get the contrast. When we're sinning, we're dying. We're in, when we're in Christ, we're living. I've been a Christian for 20-something years, 30-something years now, and I'm just now figuring this out. I'm just now, the Holy Spirit is kind of bringing this to my mind. Scotty, you're not, you're not living when you're sinning. You're dying. You're actually dying. You see, the things that we call fun, the things that we call good, the things that we call great in this world, guess what? They don't, they don't necessarily reflect the mind of Christ. Guys, I've been there. The things that I thought were fun back in the season of my youth, guess what? They lost their luster. They're not fun anymore. The things that controlled me in addiction, guess what? They lost their luster. They, became a, they, they literally became a jail cell for me. Why? Because I was dying. I had a life sentence in prison. Why? I was living in the flesh. Wasn't living in the Spirit of God. What is the Spirit of God? We know the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. All of those things that, that, that there's no law against just being kind, you know, being kind to people, loving them where they are and leading them to Jesus Christ. There's no law against it and it's the greatest thing you can ever do. But judgment? Guys, I have been the world's worst at looking at people and saying, I know what's wrong with them. That might not be entirely true. Why? Because I don't know where they've been. I don't know where they've been. They may be killing it for where they've been. Literally. Guys, I'll tell you something. I, 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 you can be in a church service and we can get into the flesh real big. You know how you know? Let somebody not show up to teach. Well, what are they doing? Don't they know we depend on them? Are you kidding? 
You can't even make it to church on Sunday. You can't even make it here by 8 o'clock. We got to have these people. Well, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know whether they've been up all night praying against the enemy, against someone that's trying to affect their family. You don't know. But I've been there. Yeah, judge, jury, and convict, executioner right here. Been there. Well, I'll just get somebody else. No, you won't, Scotty. It's not your church. It's his. You need to sit down and shut up. You need to go to them and pray for them. Ask if you can help. That's what you need to do. Living in the flesh. I'm dying. I'm either dying myself or I'm killing somebody else. Literally. Guys, do we realize that we have the greatest message that has ever been brought to humanity, the love of Jesus Christ, and we come indoors and we fight as a body, we fight as a family, more than these crazy people out there fight. We really do. Bickering and carrying on. Why? Because somebody didn't do their job. Guys, it's important to do your job, yes. But sometimes God has a break in the plan. God has a detour. God has a listen. That's your plan. Shut up and listen to mine. Because this person over here needs you. We ever been there? Yeah. I have. Verse 4. He did this so that just the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. For those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Guys, have you ever had a stronghold in your life that you can't get over? Now, you're talking to an addict. I've been there. I know that once you focus on that problem, that problem gets bigger and bigger. You know that? You focus on, you don't believe me? Try to quit something. I don't care if it's a chocolate Reese cup sitting on that coffee table. There is a war right there, honey. There is a war. I'm not going to eat that. Before you know it, the television is on the mantle and the Reese cup has got bigger than the TV screen. And you're fighting it tooth and nail. I don't need to eat that. Boy, it'd be good, though. It's a racy cup. I don't care what it is. When we get in the flesh, it gets larger than life. It does. Why? Because we're unskilled in battle. We as Christian people are unskilled in battle in in the spirit world. We don't know how to fight. We think that if we batten down the hatches and hold to what we know, that the, whole, that, that, that the Satan will just run off and leave us alone. That's not what James says. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you resist? You get in his face. You fight back. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't learn how to fight in the spirit, he's going to kick us from pillar to post. And he's going to toy with us every single day we walk the face of this planet. 
How many of us know that the words of our mouth literally have power that is unleashed on the spirit world? That, ladies and gentlemen, that is one thing Satan does not want us to know how to do is that's how to fight. That's it. How did Jesus Christ approach the demoniac of Gadaria? Of the Gadarenes? He didn't go on there swinging left and right with his fist. He spoke. He spoke. In Genesis 1-1, and the earth was out without form and void. What did God do? He spoke. He didn't say, Jesus, go get the shovel. We're going to get started now. That's not what he said. He spoke. Why? Because our words carry authority in Christ Jesus. When you speak and you say, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, Satan hears you. And everybody in here is going, oh, no. He's going to go to talking about casting out demons. Well, it's in here, but we're not going there. Sorry. That's, that's popcorn and Coke and another time. Okay? But here's the deal. We're talking about your own life. We're talking about you fighting in the Spirit, staying in the Spirit, and living in the Spirit rather than dying in the flesh. Ladies and gentlemen, understand something. We have a job to do. And it's get a longer cord for this microphone. Huh? No. She's right. Guys, I'm a big mouth here. But I'm called to be a big mouth everywhere. And so are you. So are you. We're all called to speak the salvation of the world, the love of Jesus to everyone we come across. Why? Because they're dying in the flesh and they're unable to get out of their addiction. They're unable to get out of their prison. They're unable because they like skill. They like knowledge. And we are the knowledge. Knowledge is power, ladies and gentlemen. And we're not wielding that power the way we should wield it. No, we get in a crowd and we go to agreeing with it. We go to agreeing with their situation. Well, it's our No. No. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking about taking this Bible and beating them over the head with it. It's not going to do any good. But living it in front of them and speaking truth and love makes all the difference in the world. Brother, sister, literally, I'm going to tell you right now, guys, living, I'm just going to put it out there. Y'all can think that I'm crazy. Y'all going to think that my wife is even more crazy because she married me and it's okay. She is kind of nutty, I think, you know, but in a good way because I love her. But y'all know, I worked for 30-something years to have a house, to have this business, to have all these things 
that I could take pride in. Yeah. Nobody was going to get in my way about what I was going to build. I had clientele. I worked and had my business paid for, the shop paid for, had my house paid way down. Then Vicky and I, we had a situation happen and we had to start all over again because her daddy had cancer and my daddy had cancer at the same time. So we had to build onto our house to move her dad into our house with us to take care of him. Great time. It's good to have him in the house because he knew he was loved. But life was good. The problem was, it was good to me, but it wasn't good to God. God showed me that my house, that I was actually a slave to a house. What do you mean? Well, it had a payment. So I would get up faithfully at 6 a.m. every morning, and I would get out there, and I'd fire them machines up. And, and 8 o'clock at night while everybody else is, oh, they're laying back in their, in their lazy boy, and they're, they're taking naps during the day. I, I, I'm getting greasy, nasty, oily. I'm fixing stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm bumping tires. I'm airing them up. I'm grazing the truck. I'm getting ready for the next day. And sometimes, guys, you run till 10 o'clock at night moving stuff around so you could be there early the next day to get started because you knew you had 14 hours the next day riding on that dozer. It's good money, though, right? It killed me physically. But it did worse than that mentally. Why? This world had me. I was operating on Satan's operating standard. I guess what you want to call it, Satan's standard of living rather than God's. You don't know how God broke me? Let me tell you how God broke me about this. So I met this missionary guy that I didn't like him when I first met him. He looked like a big Samoan. I didn't like him. He was a very smart aleck young man. We met on a big job in Lakeland, Florida. I went down there to build a building because I was very smart. I was very arrogant. I knew how to build metal buildings. And I could walk iron backwards and forwards and I could bend over and all this stuff. Like, man, I was an iron worker from just extraordinary. I was just so good, I thought. Well, man, this guy got into it down there. So I told him, man, you just need to march around there to the other side of the place and mess that up over there. I got this over here. Well, we had words. Well, about a, two months later, I go to my job at Sharon Church. I was obedient to my job. I drove the Golden Girls bus at Sharon Church. I had a bunch of party animals that were 80 and above. Party animals. They didn't drive. So when you took them out to eat, they weren't ready to go home as soon as they got to eat. They wanted to stick around, smoke cigarettes, and drink coffee till 2 in the morning. Yeah, but I loved them. Sweet, sweet ladies. 
one of them dips enough. She'd open her purse up, she'd go, and she'd spit in her purse. Man, I was on the van, Chris. Now, this is at Sharon, okay? I was on the van. I'm driving down the road. Vicky wouldn't let me dip snuff on the van. Made me so mad. I looked back there, and Angie's going, she's dipping snuff. I said, she's dipping snuff. No, she's not. Yes, she is. She, I seen her spit. She's, oh, no, she's not. Vicky turned the mirror. She tried to get to where she could sit. Her eye, she's dipping snuff. I said, yeah, she's dipping snuff. I told you she's dipping snuff. So anyway... I do the morning run, and I take them home after church service that Sunday morning. And here's this guy that I don't like that I've met in Lakeland, Florida. He's in the parking lot, the only one left. There's just me and him. And God is speaking, and he says, go see about him. Uh-uh, I don't like that guy. Go see about him. So I get in my truck, I drive over there, I said, what's up, man? He says, well, I'm out of gas. Well, that's not a good thing, man. I said, I can help you, I can get you some gas. He says, well, problem is I don't have any money either. And then he spoke and he said, God told me that I was supposed to be at this church today to do deputation work for my ministry. I said, well, man, if you don't have money and you don't have gas, I'm not meaning to pry. When's the last time you ate? He said, day before yesterday. I said, okay, this is what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to get in the car with me. Are you going to get in a truck with me? We're going to go home. I said, I'm going to, we're going to eat, and then I'm going to bring you back. We're going to get some gas, and we're going to get your truck. And he knew me and him had had words. And he said, are you sure, man? I said, yeah, I'm sure. So we get home, and this dearly beloved back there is whooping up a meal, and she's wondering where I've been. And I said, we got one more for lunch. And here he comes walking through the door. Well, she's never met him. He introduces himself and he says, my name is David Bennett. I said, well, David, this is my wife. This is my oldest daughter, Tara. This is, this is Bug Bug. And he said, Bug Bug? I said, yeah, Caitlin. He said, oh, okay. But I remember t calling you Bug Bug first and everyone looking at me like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And this is Noah. The next three days he spent at my house. He wouldn't sleep in a bed because he was used to sleeping in a hut on the ground. He had nothing. He had a people that he loved very, very much. Come to find out he was one of the most decorated Vietnam veterans on the face of the planet that ever served in that war. He had more medals than anybody I've ever seen. I don't know how many tours he ended up doing, but he was one of those guys that if me and him would have come to blows, he would have literally killed me right there on that job. But he didn't. He held his peace.
He came back to Northern California where he was from and he sold his family's dairy because he got saved. He bought a sailboat and he sailed it around the world and he landed upon a, fixing to land upon an island and a cyclone hit and sank his boat and they washed up on the beach and he went to preaching Jesus when he washed up on the beach. He had absolutely nothing. The truck he was driving, someone gave him. Oh, man, this guy hit it off. He was so much like the Apostle Paul that I felt inadequate being around him. He lived Jesus every part of his life. So David gets up and he goes back to his island, which is called the Republic of Vanuatu. Y'all ever heard of Survivor Tana? Tana Island is where he served. During this time that he was at my house, he got up and went to work with me every day. And I told him he didn't have to. He said, no. He said, I need to work. I need to make some money. I said, I'll give you some money, David. He said, no, you won't. I'll work for it. And he worked. So I paid him as much money as I could pay because I knew what he was going to do. David goes back. He calls back over here to our Sharon church and he says, I need Scotty over here to run a dozer for me. Well, my first question is, how in the world did he get a dozer over there? <laughs> you know, but somebody had sent him a dozer. And this island was 25 miles long and it's about 8 to 10 miles wide. But it's just like this right here. It has the world's most active volcano on it. I have stood at the rim of a volcano and looked down in the lava and watched it blow up. It's the most impressive thing you will ever view in your life. I've been there three times. But he said, Scotty, he said, when the medical team gets here for my people, he said, fuel costs too much to go around the outside of the island. I need to go through the middle. I need a road. David, I can build you a road. Well, it rocked on there. I went to work. I did several jobs and had a whole lot of money out, but I hadn't got paid for it. Y'all know how it goes. Sometimes they'll stretch you out 90 and 120 days before you get your check. And I had done put all my reserves out, and I was, we were just getting by on septic tanks, putting septic tanks in so we could eat on, on Fridays till our big checks came in. And they were getting ready to leave to go to Tana to build David a road. Well, I backed out because I was afraid my family wasn't going to eat and I was going to fall way behind in payments. So they left. And they were going to be gone for two weeks. When they left out, guys, I got up on Monday morning and I was getting ready to go to work and I looked out and it was raining. I thought, well, okay. It's going to rain today. I may get a little time to settle down and rest. After 14 straight days of rain, 
me sitting at my table watching 14 straight days of rain that I could not work. God showed me, it ain't you, you idiot, it's me. It's me that puts food on your table. It's me that's paying your bills. It's me. That's the reason you're here is me. And you're not obeying me. I had my opportunity to obey and live in the Spirit, and I chose flesh. Y'all get that? I chose to mind the things of this world. And God doesn't operate like that. So the next time they curled around, I said, God, I'm going to go. If I have to swim and dodge sharks, I'm going to be over there. (laughs) So they hit me up again, and I was out of money again. We were walking out of the fellowship hall at Sharon. I told Muncie, I said, Muncie, I don't know if I got the money to go. And there was a special guy named John Landers. He was standing there. He said, money, what are y'all talking about money? And y'all know John Landers? John Landers is one of the greatest people on the planet. God love him. But he said, what's going on? John, uh, I, I ain't got enough money to go. I, it's, it's, everything's all right. He says, how much do we need? Months, he said, tickets are 5000 John. Okay. Get on the plane, Scotty. See you later. That's what happened. Get on the plane. So here I am with no excuse. Except for my wife is going to be left here with three kids by herself. And she's never been by herself that long. And God said, I got it, Scotty. I got it. That trip changed my life. It showed me that there is flesh and there is spirit. And Scotty, you keep putting God in this little old box and making him what you want him to be. When God's big, he's all over the world. He's not just here in your hometown. He's not just here in your church. He's everywhere. He's God. You see, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. I know that story was kind of lengthy, but it gets us to the point of this. What are we doing? Are we going to choose to serve God? Are we going to choose to stay and live in the flesh and die? Die in the flesh. How do we combat this? God said in 1 Corinthians, he says, I'll never put anything in front of you that I don't give you a way out. That I don't give you a way to fight off that temptation. It's a choice. It's literally a choice. I see people coming in this door right here every Sunday and every one of them has just been beat to death because they're living in the flesh and they're getting whipped on. They're getting whipped on. Why? Because they're not using the power that is given them by the blood of Jesus Christ to fight back and live life. And ladies and gentlemen, That's unacceptable. 
When we look at our judge, when we look at the righteous judge of Jesus Christ, he's going to say, what's, what's wrong with you? Look, I paid your way. You got no excuse for not being there. God used John Landers to take away my excuse. But who's gonna, who, who are you going to use for your excuse for not doing the right thing? Why? God's already paid our way. I get amused at these kids, these young people. They think they're sowing wild oats. No, honey, you're being immature and you're being stupid. I'm just going to put it out there. You're being immature and you're being stupid because you're doing things that you know is sinful. And guess what? Satan is going to tempt you with it. Satan's going to bind you with it. And you're going to live in that temptation. You're going to end up living in that addiction till you learn how to fight and get out. That's the truth. Don't take it from, take it from somebody that knows. Because I lived in addiction for 15 years. And if it weren't for Jesus Christ, if it wasn't for Christmas, if it wasn't for the cross, if it wasn't for Easter Sunday, guess what? I'd still be there. And that's the truth. Guys, we're playing games here. We're playing games just like the Roman soldiers at the foot of the cross. We're not getting real with God. We're living in the flesh. We're not dwelling in the spirit. And we're living like we're dying. Yeah. When we're not truly living at all. Y'all know, know what the greatest high is on the planet? Is when someone comes up to you and says this. Brother Scotty, I'm lost. You're not now, honey. We're going to pray. The lost is going to be found today. The lost is going to be saved. I thought I'd been high. I just thought I had been high. The greatest thing that ever happened to me is when I was called to preach and I accepted that call. And the first little, little man come down the aisle and said, I need to be saved. I'll tell you a huge one. There was a young man that had tats all over his arms. He come to my church down there on West Drive. I went to preaching. Every other place, all he wanted to talk about was his tattoos. I don't care if you're red, yellow, black, white, gray, green, ugly, pretty, fat, skinny. If your hair is funny or your wife dresses you funny sometimes, like my wife dressed me sometimes, uh, you know, all those, I don't care what you are. Jesus loves you. This young man came, and God, God led me to preach a sermon, and he comes up, and he shows up at my house Monday night. I need to talk to you. Okay. Come on in here. Uh, man, uh, you may not know it, man, but I I'm, on, I'm on probation. I can't own a gun. I'm a felon. So, man, just let me know 
if you don't want me to come, get in the house, man. Come on in. You letting cold air in here. Come on in. You and your, you and your girlfriend both. Y'all come on. Come in. We spent about 30 to 40 minutes talking, and the next thing you know, his girlfriend and him bowed down on our couch, our living room floor. He said, Jesus, forgive me. I once was blind. But I see it now. I don't know if any of y'all have ever heard him preach. His name is Brother Bo Walker. And he's bad to the bone when it comes to this right here. Living in the Spirit. Not dying in the flesh. Guys, I got to tell you, you are stewards and ministers of God's grace. You are. There's no difference in you or me other than I have this responsibility. And I vowed the responsibility of this flock, which holds me to a little bit greater degree of being responsible. God knows. If something goes wrong, it's on me. It ain't on you. I'll get reprimanded for it. But I took that vow. I'm okay with it. But here's the thing. You're no different than me. The power of prayer is huge. The power of your tongue, life and death, Proverbs 18, 21. The power of life and death is in your tongue. What you say, what you speak. You speak death, you're gonna, you're gonna, you sow death, you're going to reap death. It's going to grow. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. You sow it with your mouth, you're going to reap it. If you sow to life, if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap things of the Spirit. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap things of the flesh. You talk trash, you're going to live in trash. You talk life, you're going to, get, you're going to live life. That's the law of God. That's the truth. You got hope? Because every single one of us in here have family members that ain't saved. And we're just choosing to, oh, well, I hope. I hope I get saved. Maybe somebody will do something. Maybe somebody will say something. Really? Put your responsibility on someone else? Come on. Really? No. No. Guys, we got to learn to live in the Spirit. You know how you know when somebody's living in the Spirit? They speak spiritual things. I was down at Brent's Texaco one day. Well, there was this elderly lady named Miss Bruce down there. Miss Bruce is a very sweet, dear Christian lady. She's older and mature. So Britt was going to trip her up one day. He said, Miss Bruce, what do you think about the devil? 
She turned around and looked at old Brett. She said, well, he's consistent. <laughs> Brett was going. She didn't speak death. She spoke life. Guys, we've got to finish strong here. We're getting bombarded by spirits that ain't right. We're getting whooped on. Why? Because this church has a calling. If you don't think this place ain't going to have a fight every day it's in here with the underworld, with, with, with Satan, you're wrong. I'm going to tell you, this place is alive. You know it. When you come in here, you know this place is alive. I'll never forget this, guys. We go to listen to, a, we go to watch a, a, a baptismal service at another church one night. You know how you raise kids to just, to just be them and just be able to speak and, and just be their own person and they're just their own little bubbly self? Well, I'll raise three of them. And sometimes you wish they wasn't so bubbly. We went to the church. We was going to watch a little baptism. We moved in the back door. We're sitting on the back pews. The church is singing a hymn. And uh, all of a sudden, they're doing this and that and everything. Old Bug Bug stands up, but being a, maybe all of 10 years old, was you 10 or what? She turned around. She's about to top of her lungs. She says, Daddy, this church is dead. I looked at her like, what did you say? I mean, I'm like, oh, everybody in there. I mean, man, I, me and Vicky sitting there, and I mean, I know we had sweat just like it's right here, you know. I, I wanted to duck down and just point at Vicky, you know, like, like no, that wasn't going to work. The problem was she was telling the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, you, when you go into a church and it don't have no life in it, they're not fighting no battles. When you come into a church in it that is full of life and it's doing the right thing for the honor and glory of the Lord, guess what? Satan don't like it and he's, gonna, he's coming at you all the time. He's coming at you people. He's coming at you flock. He's coming after your marriages. He's coming after the pastor. He's coming after the worship leader. He's coming after the people that are over this children's chapel in here. He, he's going to do everything he can do he's trying to do to upset you, to get you to quit. It's so easy to live in the flesh, get judgmental, get bitter, but we can't. We got to stay in the spirit and we got to stay focused on the prize, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to do this. We're fixing to change years, 2022. And we got an awful big thing ahead of us. We got some ground over here. Do you know what kind of statement it's going to make when, when, when the raisin goes up? When the beams start going up and the columns go to going up and the, and, the, and the concrete gets poured and the walls get put on the side of it and we don't even put no doors on it. Why? Because we ain't ever closing. We ain't closing. We was talking the other night. So I said, what are you going to do? All your plumbing going to be on one end? I said, no, we're going to have men's and women's showers for the homeless in the back. What? Yeah. 
Homeless people can smell sometimes. They need a bath. What's wrong with that? Give them a place. Give them a place to come get healed. Give them a place to come get loved. Feed them. But feed them this. Yeah. God's idea of ministry ain't like ours, is it? We want to come here, do our time, and go home. God says, no. It's a lifestyle. It's a creed. Who's in? Caitlin, where are you at, babe? Who's in? See? Who's in? Who's with, who's with God today? Who is willing to understand that, look, your job is just an occupation that pays you enough money to, to fund your ministry of Christ? That's what your job is. That's all it is. I sit on a track hall and take abuse every day at the county. You know why I do? It just funds me to get to do this right here. It funds me to get to love people. It funds me to get to help them lay their mamas and daddies and their loved ones to rest when they die. There ain't no greater time to minister to a family than when they've suffered loss. You know why? Because they learn how fragile life really is. And then they turn to Jesus. And that's when you come in there and you say, look, I'm just here to love on you. I'm not here to judge you. I love you. But I'm here if you want to pray. If you need a hug, I'm here. No, I'm not going to drink a beer with you. I'm past that. I ain't going there. No, I'm not rolling you a joint. Past all that too. No. None of that other stuff. I ain't here for that. I'm an ambassador for Jesus. I'm here to share his love with you. And to give you peace about what has happened. That death is just part of life. <laughs> death is just part of the equation. Explain to him about the temple and the veil. How that the veil between the spirit world and the flesh is still there. And how that when the resurrection and the, and the crucifixion happened, that the veil was rent in twain, which means that we can go to Christ at any given time. But yet in this physical realm, we still have a veil covering our eyes that covers the spirit world from us. Guys, God's message to you, God's challenge to you today is live in the Spirit. Not necessarily live like you were dying. journey that you will ever encounter is the walk and the relationship with Jesus Christ. Hands down. 
but you just got to get started. You got to take it serious. Christmas. before your throne of grace today, Lord. And I know and understand, Father God, this has been kind of lengthy today. But I believe in my heart, Father God, that your point has been well taken. Father, in the fact, in the sense that we, as your people, Lord God, we, we spend way too much time worrying about things that don't matter. Literally, learning to live without all this worldly stuff and just allowing you to send us what we need so that we're able and we have the freedom to be what you need us to be when you need us to be it and we're able to go where you need us to go at the time that you need us to be there and the Father that we're not drowning in sin when we're called upon be filled with the Spirit, to be taken to a place and be broken and pour that Spirit out upon who you want it poured out on. Father, we need to quit living in death, but live with the end in mind. Lord God, today, let us take this challenge so very, very seriously that we decide in our heart to make a change that will draw us closer to you, that will find us in obedience, that will find us in perfection and relationship with you. Father, You told us that you come to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. Today, let's take a hold of that life. Let's be what we're called. In Jesus' holy name, amen. May we stand together, y'all. Do you thirst for
Separate them from joy 